Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Left reverse! Right. Slow the out! Don't kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're back now. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I am your host, Keith Smith. We are brought to you by CLNS Media. We are back with you. We had to take a little bit of time off because our producer, Connorell, was at the Sloan Sports and Analytic Conference, as well as hosting his own mock trade deadline event. Con's going to give us a breakdown of both of those things a little bit later in the show. And we're going to dive right into some news off the top here. A lot of transactions, small stuff, but it's the things we get into on this show. And then a couple other topics and then like i said con will close it out with a little little recap of his mock trade deadline as well as some of the things he saw and learned at sloan and with that let's bring in con how are you tonight i'm doing great uh just came off a super busy weekend as you've mentioned um but i'm excited to you know get back into the swing of things here a lot of stuff going on in the nba and it's just exciting times getting into the playoffs yeah, absolutely. We're you know a little over a month out, about five, six weeks away from the playoffs starting up. Pete, how are you doing this evening? Pete Toll with us as well, co-host. I'm doing all right. A uh, little worried about my 76ers right now, but um, you know, could I, you guys think... please beat the Bulls? Like, is that... <laughs> oh man, I knew that. Was <laughs> and you got please, two, you got like, two you shots. One at job. Me. Exactly. I I don't understand it. I don't know how you didn't. You know, you basically gravitate towards Robin Lopez and leave. You know, Zach Levine that was of all crazy. people. Yeah, wow, that was awful. Oh, well. Both players. Yeah. yeah. If that's not enough of a timestamp for you, we're recording this on uh, Thursday, March 7th. Uh, last night, Philly stumbled on the road at the Chicago Bulls and lost a game there. And, uh, you know, so so that's that's why why Pete's a little down tonight. But, Pete, they're okay. They're, they're fine. Yeah. They're, they're still, you know, they're going to get home court advantage. It'll be okay. Um, in the playoffs, you know, whether that means anything beyond the first round, well, we'll have to see about that. But, um, you know, so like we said, we're going to get into some news here. We're going to talk a couple other topics, then a little bit of a breakdown here. I apologize. I am fighting a little bit of a cold. So hopefully that that doesn't throw things off too much. But let's dive right in. The Houston Rockets, they they did some 10-day maneuvering. They signed Chris Chioza, who is a um, rookie guard out of the G League. He had been playing for the Wizards G League affiliate. They signed him to a 10-day contract that has since expired. And then Terrence Jones got signed to a 10-day. It expired, and they signed him to a second. The reason they only signed Jones is they're going to play the two-week game, which is – 
they're they're going to go de- drop down to the minimum roster spots for two weeks, and then they'll re-sign somebody. And the reason they're doing that is the luxury tax avoidance method. So that's what's going on with the Rockets. You know, these these are fringe moves for them as they have uh, finally gotten healthy and are starting to play really really good basketball. And a little small thing to keep keep an eye on there is I think the Rockets would love to get into a position where they can use the remainder of the season to give a contract to Daniel House, uh, who played quite well for them in their rotation and is on a two-way deal, but we'll see ultimately where that lands and works out for them. So into a couple bigger pieces of news, the Milwaukee Bucks, they signed Paul Gasol, who was released by the Spurs. They they brought brought him in and they waived or terminated early the 10-day contract for Isaiah Cannon, who had been been, uh, kind of giving them some backup guard minutes as they're a little bit banged up. George Hill out and injured and and they needed another backup point guard there. So that's what Cannon was giving them, but they decided it was just too good of an opportunity to add Gasol. So let's pause there for a second. Pete, do you think Gasol has any impact on the floor for the Bucs the rest of the regular season? I don't know about the regular season. I think he's more there for the playoffs that they need depth as far as if Lopez gets in foul trouble or, you know, anything happens to, you know, Miritich or Ilya Sova as far as in the stretch role. Um, I don't think he's really counted necessarily as a floor guy more than a locker room guy. Yeah, and that's that's totally fair. It is, I think, with Gasol – I think it's more for what he's going to bring them on the bench and in the locker room and in practices, helping this uh, what is still a relatively inexperienced roster as far as playoffs go. Con, you think Gasol gives them anything on court? I mean, I think you can just get basically like 70% of what Brooke Lopez does off the bench because Powell, like he's been extending his range for the past few years. They already uh, drop Brook Lopez down and like he's not switching on to guards right so that's exactly how Powell's going to play defense and if you tell Powell hey you're going to shoot 28 footers from now on like Brook Lopez does I'm sure he's up to the challenge and um I think he I think he could uh, allow the Bucks to just play the same style without changing um with Brook Lopez coming off the court obviously they're not going to have Giannis 48 minutes but you know I, th- I think he could definitely provide something yeah, I, I, I think this is, for me, this is just a more deep bench option. Gasol wasn't playing at all for yeah. the Spurs. He he just didn't look, he looks pretty done at this point. But but you're right, the defensive system fits I mean, in you pretty need, well. You need players when you're the one seed and there's like five, six games left and you've yeah. already clinched the one seed to give you minutes. And I think Powell's the ideal guy to do that. <laughs> no, and, that, and that's a solid point, too, because both Ilyasova and Miritich have had their injuries, so they're not going to want to push those guys too much here down the stretch, so he can definitely slide in there without too much of a drop-off. The other thing the Bucks did was kind of came out of left field, I think, for anybody who follows them. They signed Eric Bledsoe to a four-year contract extension. Now, how this works is what this means is Bledsoe gets a modest raise over his current salary of $15 million. He's going to jump up to 15.6 million next year then he's got eight percent raises on top of that so total it's four years 70 million dollars that final year though in the 2022-2023 season that this 2020 stuff is going to get really annoying um to, to say over and over that is uh that season is 19.4 million but it's only guaranteed for 3.9 million so that's the the bucks really did a nice job there 
protecting themselves. That's a contract that if they want to get off it, they could stretch that for 1.3 million a year over a three year period. That's, you know, they, they did a good job and the way Bledsoe has played, this is really kind of a steal. Now what this does is it takes Milwaukee out likely out of being a cap space team this summer. So kind of want to go right back to you. Do you like this move to to lock up Bledsoe, or would you have rather have gone into the summer and seen you know what presented itself done? I mean, all is going according to plan for contract here, Bledsoe. Um, but no, I think he he played he played to this contract, and he's never actually been in a situation where he signs a big contract and then you're like a playoff team and competing for a championship like the Bucks are looking to do for the next few years. So I think him sustaining this level and not dropping off after getting that contract isn't something to be worried about like it was for the previous two, three contracts. Um, I just think the production Bledsoe's giving is great. And if you remember with the Clippers, like if you do remember those seasons he had right before signing the contracts, like that Clippers season, he was amazing. That Sun season when they won 40, uh, that wasn't what Bledsoe was it? Um, the 48 yeah, no, game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think With, he was there. Yeah, yeah. I think that he was there. So, like, he's always had these, like, great seasons, and you're like, oh my God, I wish Bledsoe was on my team. And then now he's had, he just had another one, possibly a career year this year. And I think he's going to be motivated enough to continue it. So, I think it's a great signing. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, one thing to keep in mind. He does turn 30 early in next season. Was this that four years guaranteed, much. Keith? Sorry. Four yeah, years sorry. No, yeah. It's the first three years are fully guaranteed. The last okay. year is only guaranteed for $3.9 million. Okay. So it's really, you know, if you really want to look at it, it's a, uh, you know, three-year Yo, what what does that work out to? Knock sixteen million on three year, fifty four million dollar deal. So really, you know, that's about what it actually works out to. So you know, that's that's you know pretty good value for a guy like Bledsoe. Pete, if you remember back, remember Bledsoe? He was the every other year he was injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yep. would have one good, solid, strong year, and then he'd be be banged up and, and injured. What do you think about him on this contract? You like it for him? You like it for the Bucks? You like it for both of them? I actually like it for both because it gives gives Bledsoe stability, um, number one. And now he's actually happy because obviously, you know, best team in the Eastern Conference right now, record-wise. Um, he basically was a borderline all-star. You could argue that maybe he should have made it um, instead of Chris Middleton. Some, you know, threw that argument out there. Um, it's really played well. And then the Bucks, they get a steady point guard. Now they don't have to search on the market and end up, you know, say, a, you know, a kind of a step back, so to speak, if they weren't able to obtain someone. So now they can kind of keep that core together if they can bring back Middleton as well and, you know, kind of etch themselves in stone, so to speak, as one of the top um, teams for a couple years in a row, which I think they were going to be anyway, but um, or at least in the Eastern Conference. Um, and now that, you know, kind of gives both sides some some clarity and, and um, you know, basically good production hopefully going forward yeah and that obviously is priority number one of the offseason is to retain chris middleton his he's got a 13 million dollar player option that he'll opt out of as soon as you know he needs to do that to be a free agent he's going to cash in on the first you know big near max deal uh for himself this summer but well what i wonder is does this have any impact pete on bringing back malcolm brogdon as a restricted free agent uh, that's going to be a tough one because I know that they explored the market some. I don't know whether they just took calls on Brogdon or they initiated calls on him, but I feel like they could actually move him. And then I know Budenholzer at the beginning of the season was high on Divincenzo. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so Not I don't really know. A point guard though. He's more no, like, you know, he's off the ball guy. Kinda sorta. Um yeah. I feel like maybe you could bring in someone that's uh that maybe could fill that role, but I like Brogdon a lot. I think he, you know, is an M- good NBA player, but he's also up there in age. So, uh, you know, for being, what is he in his third year now? Uh, Brogdon, this is second or third year. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Third year. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, you kind of see what you're, you know, what you see is what you're going to get going forward. He's going to be steady, but I don't think he takes another big leap forward. And so they really have to make a decision. Do you want to pay him, you know, and kind of keep the production? Maybe it declines, or do you kind of let him go and get somebody in there? Maybe even two players in there, um, if you count Divincenzo, you know, kind of playing a, a mixed guard role a little bit, you know, here and there as he develops, you know, kind of go that route. Yeah, and I do think that this makes it extremely unlikely. Yeah, I don't I actually don't think this really impacts it, but I do think it's very unlikely that they bring George Hill back. He's right. he's got an eighteen million dollar contract, but it's only guaranteed for one million. And I just he's not an eighteen million dollar player at this point. And with with already inking Bledsoe to an extension, re-signing Middleton being a goal, you've got Giannis at twenty five point eight. You've got Tony Snell at eleven point four. Ilyasova at seven, that's just money that you don't need to be spending on a guy like George Hill. So I do think he's probably going to be waived. Now, he could return. You know, he could take his million and then they could say, all right, hey, we'll resign you to something that's a lot more, you know, palatable for a one-year number. That that you could see happening or you could see Hill say, all right, you know, I want to go somewhere where you'll maybe have a chance to start or play more or something like that. So a lot of – it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Bucks because they've got Nikola Mirotic as a free agent as well, Brooke Lopez, who they don't have any form of bird rights on. So it's going to be really curious to see how this plays out for Milwaukee as they've come together and really been, to this point, they've been the best team in the NBA this season and have played really well. One more thing. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Con. Uh, my bad, Pete. Um, no, you go ahead. You go I feel ahead. like I feel like Bledsoe is an underrated beneficiary of the new system that Budenholzer brought into play because, yeah, Giannis with space is is the motto, right? But yeah. Bledsoe also has a lot of space now, especially Absolutely. if Giannis Giannis is sitting, um, or if Giannis is just on the wing. You're not going to leave Giannis just because he's not a shooter because if you leave him, then he's going to get ahead of steam. So now you got Bledsoe who has just a ton of space as well. And Bledsoe's quick and get, can, can get by guys and can draw fouls. And everything that he does well is now accentuated with the system that Budenholzer created. So good for him and good for Budenholzer to use him the right way. Oh, for sure. And it's, um, it is interesting, right? You mentioned those Suns teams back in the day when they yeah. had him and Dragic. And that's a little bit how they're playing with, um, with with Bledsoe and Brogdon, two two ball handlers, Giannis diving to the rim and Middleton spotting up and Lopez spotting up and you know it's been kind of an interesting roster construction, um and as well as system construction from from Budenholzer there. So Pete, did you have something else to say? On no, I was gonna books? ask you guys. I can't remember. I remember reading like a year or two ago that the you know it's the ownership is is Edens and and Lazary right and. Yep. Don't they switch out or something like one takes control or like lead control over the other one or something like in a, in the next year? Or has that already happened? I can't remember. I, you know, I'm not sure that's something that we'd have to look up. I wonder if that would change things as far as just who they would look at in free agency and and things like that. I don't think it obviously changes, you know, what they want to do as far as, you know, reaching, you know, the highest level, which is the NBA finals. But 
just kind of what direction maybe they go in. Cause I know they're, you know, both kind of on, you know, d- different outlooks as far as, you know, scouting players in the past and stuff like that. So I don't know, um, you know, when that changes over, I was trying to look it up, but I can't find anything that says exactly when that happens. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure about that. I do know that they have consistently said now it's always come through the through the through the front office that they're willing to pay the luxury tax for right. a winning team and those kind of things. And I think that's what's important because this team is going to be staring down the luxury tax if they want to retain this group. The guy who really is most interesting for me becomes Brooke Lopez because of how limited mm-hmm. they are and what they can do to retain him. So, so we'll see, see, you know, ultimately where that lands out. All right, Pete, let's knock through a couple more of these. Here's mm-hmm. we go. 10 day contracts, Brooklyn Nets signed Tajir McCall. He has been playing for them in the G league, the long Island nets uh, there. So they brought him up on a 10 day. This is probably more of a reward, a loyal guy uh, right. deal than anything else. Cause I'm not sure we're going to actually see him get in to uh, many, if any, NBA games. Well, he's gotten into one. Yeah, that's one it. so far. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Then yeah. um, I think it was just some garbage time minutes. Yeah, four end. garbage time minutes, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and then the Minnesota Timberwolves signed Cam Reynolds. This is a guy I thought was kind of interesting um, coming into the league. Mm-hmm. You know, just because it hasn't really you know been able to figure, figure out that spot. I'm going to use this, too, to shout out a rookie. Keita Bates-Job has been playing some rotation yep. minutes for the Wolves and starting to look good. a little bit of an older rookie, so there's not a ton of upside there, but he is playing pretty well. And then the Sacramento Kings, they had second 10-day contract for Corey Brewer expired. Then they re-signed him. They gave him $2 million for the rest of the year. I'm not... Not entirely sure who they were competing with for anything more than a minimum deal. For right. Brewer, but, you know, nice veteran addition for them. And, and a wing defender in a lot of ways kind of gives them a lot of what they lost when they traded away a Monchumper, right, Pete? Yeah, I mean, that he's pretty much 3 and D. So that's what, you know what you're going to get with Corey Brewer. Yeah, definitely. And then the Atlanta Hawks, they signed B.J. Johnson to a 10-day contract. Jordan Seibert's 10-day expired, did not get a second one. But old friend Tyler Zeller, news broke today that he's going to sign a 10-day contract with the Hawks uh, later this week. It sounds like that's going to happen tomorrow on Friday. Again, we're recording this on Thursday, March 7th. Sounds like Zeller will sign a 10-day. Dwayne Dedman's a little banged up, so I think that's the idea yeah. there is to bring him in. They, they, they don't like putting Collins at the five uh, anymore than they have to except for spot minutes and they're really kind of down to Alex Len is the only healthy center on the roster. Then the New Orleans Pelicans, they made a couple of interesting moves. They waived Tim Frazier. Their backup point guard, he's kind of been been uh, with them for a couple years now in that role. And they brought over uh, Dyrus Bertans on a two-year deal uh, rest of the season this year, and then his deal for next season. A L- little complicated. It's it's a non guaranteed contract, but it it triggers on August first, hundred and fifty thousand. Then on November fourth, so right around the start of the regular season, three hundred thousand before guaranteeing on the league wide guarantee date of January tenth. So Pete, what do you think about this bringing in Bertans, who is uh, Davis Bertans of the San Antonio Spurs brother? I was kind of puzzled because. I remember Bertans back when he actually played on the summer league team of the Spurs a couple of years ago and, you know, good shooter has played well in, in the I, early. Let's correct that great shooter. I think he's up yeah. over 50% from three. Yeah. Um, like, well, yeah. F- 53% this season, um, you know, career, I think it's 47%. So yeah, great shooter. 
Um, it, but and I'm sorry, Pete, I'm going to interrupt because I should have said this already. Smaller than Davis. Davis is right. you know very much a, a big man, a big you know forward. Uh, uh, Dyrus is a six foot four guard. Yeah, six uh, four two guard. Um, he's 29, and he doesn't play the greatest defense. So I was you know kind of puzzled that they brought him over, but. At the same time, I think now that you have Danny Ferry kind of in there in a consulting role, I think he spans the globe, you know, at least his history has shown that, and tries to find like obscure guys to bring in and out and um, reach different markets. So I think that that was kind of what they were going for. Give him a shot to come in, see if he can, you know, be a consistent knockdown three-point shooter, and then you know, see what they do with them next year. You know, it's all going to depend on what happens with Anthony Davis. That's obvious. Then what happens, you know, as far as the roster construction after that is anyone's guess. But I think that, you know, it's good to, you know, give Bertans a shot in the NBA. Um, if he can get whatever personal matter that's going on with them cleared up, I, I love to see him in an NBA game. Um, I know it's not, it didn't come last night. Um, and I don't know, Nothing that I've seen, you know, I try to look it up before we got on. If, you know, anybody was reporting that it been, has been his personal matter got cleared up and haven't seen anything. So hopefully he plays in the next week or so and, and we get to see him. Yeah, look at this one as almost a early summer deal, you know, yeah. where, where you're locking them in that eight. 8-1 or August 1st guarantee date where it doesn't even trigger until 100,000 till then. That's really gives them all the flexibility if they decide, all right, hey, we're moving Davis or we got to do something different because you're going to clear roster spots or whatever it is. That late guarantee date makes it very easy for them to get off uh, the contract for Bertans without without spending any money um, on him. You know, beyond what they invested for the rest of this regular season. So, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It was announced today. Looks like Drew Holiday is going to be out at least a week yeah. with a um, strained, uh, was it abdominal strain, I believe? Um, if, if that's so, what I read. Yeah. So that's that's you know t- tough break for the Pelicans, but they're you know at this point they're they're really kind of playing playing out the string here and you know look, looking towards you know what's going to be a very eventful summer for setting up this franchise going forward. New York Knicks signed Henry Ellenson after his two two uh, his ten day contract ended. They signed him to a two year contract team option on the second year. It's a true team option too. So the Knicks retaining all their flexibility as they, they resign the guy the fans have nicked have affectionately nicknamed poor Zingus, um, which I you know I just find very, very funny. Um so Ellenson, you know, yeah, this is you know, I'd be surprised if he's on this roster after <laughs> yeah. this season. That means that the the off season didn't go the way it went Knicks bad. Were. Yeah, Orlando exactly. Summer League All-Star, Henry Ellenson. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Keith? Oh. Did you just... Sorry, I did go on mute there. I, I need a cough button. <laughs> I oh. just thought you hated my joke. <clears throat> no, I, I actually didn't realize I didn't come off mute. He's actually a... Um... Orlando Summer League Hall of Famer. That's how good he was <laughs> in Orlando Summer League. So, uh, speak, speaking of Summer League guys, Ray Spalding signed with the Suns after his 10, 10 day contract ended, two year contract there. Uh, partial guarantee on that second year for Spalding. He's going to stick around. And then our last transaction, this one broke just in the last couple of days. Andrew Bogut coming back to the NBA. He was the Australian League um, MVP. He was the Australian League Defensive Player of the Year. And now he's coming back to the Golden State. 
Warriors. The Warriors didn't get anybody in the buyout market. Uh, the guy they wanted was Robin Lopez. Never shook loose. So, Con, what do you think? Bogut got anything left to help the Warriors? Well, clearly, if he's winning MVP at the Australian <laughs> League, and he still has the fundamentals there. Obviously, he's still in shape. I mean, it's it kind of speaks to, uh, I guess, how good the NBA is. I mean, the Australian League is like a league that people are, okay, this is up and coming. There's talent coming from Australia. We see guys like Della Vadova and Joe Ingles and Ben Simmons and all these players. But then... I mean, Bogut, like, I don't know where you would rank him, but I'm sure he's not a starting, maybe, like, fringe starting center based on what he performed as last time he was in the NBA. Uh, you, you could start him on a team like Golden State if there yeah, wasn't think- Bogut. But, like, it's not, it, it just, I don't know. If, if he's the MVP of the league, he obviously has something to provide. But it's also, like, that's crazy that he was the MVP of the <laughs> Australian league. Yeah, I, I think this is a um, break glass in case of emergency move i think you know it's obviously cousins is the guy there behind him it's kavon looney when he's healthy but he's banged up so i think that's part of what necessitated this i apologize for clearing my throat throat folks i'm just like i said battling this cold um and then then uh jonas jerebko has been playing minutes at the five so i think bogut is really a all right, we're going against Rudy Gobert or Yusuf Nurkic, and we can't get by with with Drebko, you know, playing backup minutes. We need a real actual center in there, and I think that's why. Or Marc Gasol or something. <clears throat> yeah, when you get to the finals, exactly. Yep. And so, Pete, you in the same place with Bogut? Yeah, I mean, I think he can play, you know, defensive minutes for when Cousins gets in foul trouble, but it's going to be more playoffs than anything, and even then – you know, do you really want to throw him in there? And, you know, if he gets, you know, basically in pick and roll, he doesn't do well as far as, you know, coming off the ball and stuff like that. I think he can grab rebounds and get a block or two, but I wouldn't expect more than 10, 12 minutes in the playoffs, honestly. No, and that's really all you need because you're going to have 10, let's call it 10 minutes out of Bogut. You're going to get 20 out of Cousins. And then that leaves you with about 20-ish minutes to to fill, and you're going to go small, you're going to go to loony. So I, th- I think that's fine. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't think that that's exactly what you're looking for. And let's not forget, too, he's a very, very good passer in screener, um, and they, they made very good use of that when they had him previously on the team when, you know, this the Warriors kind of came to be what they are today. So, so that's all the transactions to date. So what we're going to do now, just get into a couple other uh, news-ish topics going around. So what we're going to start out with is Phoenix Suns. They were the first team this year eliminated from the playoff race. So they, they you know, by, by virtue of being very you know, poor team and also playing in the Western Conference. They were knocked out first out of anybody. <laughs> they promptly have gone on a three-game win streak uh, over the last three games, which is kind of funny. They are, um, you know, they're, they're just absolutely terrible. But it came out that they are full-on starting their GM search. They are not going to apparently continue with the uh, co-GMs that they have today. But to go hand-in-hand hand with that, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN broke that, it's a concern for the NBA because of how Robert Sarver has, has run that team. So, Pete, if you're the Suns, what are you looking at bringing in for a general manager? You, in, in, I'm going to ask, what are you looking at if you are the Suns, not, not from the general manager, you know, 
prospective general manager's side because guys might say, I'm not going to go work for Sarver. But if you're the Suns, are you looking for kind of one of these up-and-coming assistant GMs? Are you looking for somebody who's established? What are you, what are you trying to accomplish here and for the next guy you bring in to lead the franchise? For me, I'd want somebody that's established because for too long it's been you know kind of the scapegoat-esque kind of guys in there. Brian McDonough you know, kind of had his, you know, basically what his thoughts were as far as player development, guys in the draft, things like that. Robert Sarver steps in, kind of overrides there. Then James Jones, you know, kind of same thing. And James Jones didn't have the experience of, you know, working as far as with the personnel of, of trades and things like that. And I feel like you need, I know the name's been thrown out there tons with, with David Griffin, but I feel like you need maybe not necessarily him, but you need someone that's established like he is, that's level-headed, that's going to be able to make smart moves going forward. Because I think too often Sarver obviously hits the panic button and then, you know, he's hot or cold at that moment and makes a rash decision. Then you end up with, you know, guys like Devin Booker that's unhappy with different moves and things like that. Or you draft someone that you thought was going to be really good. Um, but it's just based off of, you know, a couple small things rather than relying on your scouts to really put in the work and do their job and pick the guy that that they're kind of, you know, pushing for. And I think that's been the problem of too many kind of, you know, decisions have come down to Sarver overriding. And so if you have a more experienced guy that has done this, has led, you know, championship-esque, you know, teams like David Griffin – you have that guy that can push back, and I think Sarver will back off then because he can kind of tr- – or not maybe back off all the way, but back off a good bit because he can at least trust knowing that in the past there's some things that have happened that have went well rather than somebody that's inexperienced and that he doesn't trust. Yeah, and I'm glad you said somebody like David Griffin, but maybe not Griffin because he's not going to do it again. Right, right. right? He was already there. He's been there, done that. He's not going to go back there. Here's my challenge is, you know, P- already – the number one guy when when there's an available GM, people are like, go get Sam Hankey. He's not right. going to go to no. Phoenix. He's not going to go there and deal with Sarver's nonsense and an ownership that's you know that hands on. Wherever he resurfaces, if he chooses to resurface as a general manager, it's going to be somewhere where he has you know really good full control. I, I I think you know at the end of the day, there's only thirty of these jobs. You know, in the league, you know, where you're the top top decision maker um, on the the basketball side, and that means you know guys are more likely to take it if than not. So it's not like they're going to have an impossible task to find somebody. But that's the 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 tricky part. Con, if you're the new GM of the Suns, what are you kind of coming in with with your your mission statement? Let's say Sarver says. Con, I really like the way you ran that mock trade deadline. I want to bring you in here and you know interview. Well, what's your plan going forward for Phoenix? Man, I love this question, Keith. <laughs> um, so basically, I'm going to come in with expectations, steps on how to meet those expectations. I want to interview every single person on the staff right now, see what kind of person they are, evaluate where they're trying to go and how they're trying to get there. If that aligns with what I'm trying to do, then they can stay. If not, then, all right, thank you for the job you've done so far, but we're going to go a separate direction. Hire people, find people that are of the right mindset, can buy into the same vision and make sure the expectations that we're setting 
are met through a process that we're all comfortable with. Um, and those need to be defined early on, communicated every day, and make sure the daily actions taken are to to make those uh, expectations happen. What are these expectations? We need the young players to get better. We need Devin Booker to become more of a leader, but not a leader in the sense that Kyrie is coming in and saying, I'm a leader, but a leader in the sense that I'm going to work every day and show everyone that this is how you go about it. I'm going to want Aiton to take a step up as a number one overall pick, as the big man, to, to step up on defense. I need to have him improve his defense. He has been improving slowly but steadily, slowly and steadily, but not maybe to the level that we all want him at. He's still a rookie, so that's fine. We need to understand that we are all rookies here, the core, or two second, third year players, and that it's going to take time. But we just need everyone from the coach to the assistant coach to the front office guy to the intern to the analytics director. Everyone needs to be on the same page. Um, and whether or not Sarver is a problem, we need to accept that he might be. I don't know. I don't know, Sarver. <laughs> like, I'm not going to comment on that. But we need to focus on the b-ball ops as much as we can um, in order to get better. And that and that's kind of needs to be top down. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I go about things. <laughs> no, I love it. And I think, you know, one of the things that you, you know, are kind of you know, saying there is, too, that's important to understand is part of the general manager's job is to manage the owner. You know, and is to set those expectations, you know, help them understand who you are, what you're going to do, what you're trying to do. You know, this team, you know, when when Sarver came out, you know, right when they fired McDonough's, it's it's time to win. It's time to get back to the playoffs. Well, it's been that time for about, what, three, four years now? And it hasn't happened. And I think it's important to say, hey, I'm with you on this, but we got to do it the right way because otherwise we're just going to repeat the same mistakes as we have in the past. I think there's some nice building blocks on this roster. I like Booker. I really like Aiden and TJ Warren. He's an okay, you know, role player, you know, D'Anthony Melton. He's kind of flashed on occasion. Rashawn Holmes has shown some stuff. Mikhail Bridges, you know, nice, nice enough guy. I'm not a big Josh Jackson guy. So I would, you know, see what you could do there. I'm not even sold that I would resign Kelly Oubre jr. You know, if, if I was the sons, I'm not, you know, Definitely sold that he's a you know a big time rotation guy going forward or anything like that. Especially if Warren's healthy and you got Bridges, that's it's a lot of overlap at the same positions. So I, I think you want to start to you know re- really look at this. I think one of the first things I would do is say, all right, who are our keepers? Who who are the guys we're in this thing with? You know, for if it takes another couple of seasons to get there, but the, these are our guys. These are our guys, and then all the rest of them. Let's see what we can do and, and move on, you know, for, with, with them there because it's really, you know, it's 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 gone too long this way, and I can understand why the NBA has concerns. You know, for a long time too, Phoenix was one of the only teams that, you know, with their G League team, they were constantly running the minimum roster guys out there. There were there were weeks where they only had eight and nine guys on the G League roster. You know, and those are just the kind of things you can't do if you're trying to you know, really foster and build out a uh, you know consistent winning culture you know across your organization. So you know we'll, we'll have to see how this one plays out and you know see see who lands in that spot and what, what they do going forward. The other team that is has been eliminated from the playoff picture, the New York Knicks. We're not going to get too into them because we all know what the plan is. Two two max slots, right, in free agency. That that's what the goal is for the rest of the way. Then go from there, and then then see see how you can you know approach the rest of the summer and build this thing up around those you know two max free agents and a host of minimum guys and young guys and all that stuff. A team who kind of went that route and it didn't go so well, Pete. 
the Los Angeles Lakers. It's, uh, mm. you know, as we're recording here, they lost again last night, this yeah. time to the Denver Nuggets. They are now six and a half games out of the Western Conference playoff uh, picture. They've only got 17 games to play. I'm going to go ahead and say they're done. They've lost four in a row, came out today. Chris Haynes, one of my, uh, you know, m- mentors and colleagues over at Yahoo Sports, you know, broke that it sounds like LeBron's going on a minutes limit, won't play back-to-backs. That's probably the right thing to do for the rest of the season with him. It just, it, obviously, it's this is not how they envisioned it to go, Pete, but how do you rebound from this going into the summer? Well, the biggest thing is you got to look at, the front office and Rob Palinka, Magic Johnson, what decision they're going to make as far as um, the direction they're going to go with head coach, because it looks like Luke Walton's probably out of there. So who do they bring in? That's, let's, let's go back for a second. Luke okay. Walton's out of there. He, yeah. He's done. Yeah. I mean, even if they won the next 17 games and got in the playoffs, I don't even think that's enough to save his job. They, right. he, he's done. So he, so you're bringing in a guy, basically you have to have a guy that is going to have the trust of LeBron James first and foremost. Then you have to look at LeBron James and how are you going to be able to build him to be motivated for next season? And then the next thing is going to be free agency. And who are you getting, you know, who basically, who are you targeting, who are you actually going to get? And then what's left of this roster currently you know, is going to be on the team next season. You have to look at the Lonzo Balls, the Brandon Ingrams, Kyle Kuzma, those guys, Josh Hart, all the guys that got thrown into the trade rumors and all the circus there. If any of those guys are kept around, how do you build the relationship back with not only LeBron James, but, you know, with each other on the court and front off in the front office, basically because they got dangled. You had Magic Johnson basically saying, well, they you know can't be babied anymore. This is the NBA; it's a professional league. Then you have Jeannie Buss saying that, you know, oh the these were overblown. You know, we didn't you know give the trade that, you know, many people thought we did. And and then Shams came out and and basically reiterated that yes, they did offer a lot of those guys. So it's just a big mess, and they have to figure out these leaks keep coming out. How are they going to stop that? Because it's not you know, the Kobe Shaq era, you know, the Showtime Lakers anymore. Like there's other teams out there that these stars are willing to go to, obviously. And LeBron seems to be a major, you know, kind of problem for other players to play along with. Like on, you know, paper, it looks like, okay, LeBron's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Man, I love, I want to go play with my idol. I watch LeBron James, you know, for these young kids, I watch LeBron James, you know, growing up and then they get on the court and it's a whole different thing between that and the locker room. And it just seems like a big mess in, in Lakerland. And I, I don't know how they're going to come back from this unless they land Kevin Durant, you know, Anthony Davis, those kind of guys, and then surround them, you know, with shooters because they went the opposite route this year with, with veterans and not really that many shooters um, until really getting Reggie Bullock, you know, at the, trade deadline and it just hasn't gone well obviously yeah what i think if you're the uh non-premier destinations this summer and you are looking at it and you're saying all right if we're the knicks and you get kevin durant if you're the um you know the celtics and you get 
well, let's say they retain Kyrie Irving, get Anthony Davis, or Irving goes to New York, or what, whatever happens there. But if you're those kind of, if you're Philadelphia, you need to be looking at it and saying, boy, I hope the Lakers get one of these frontline guys, and then don't go all in on a max deal for Tobias Harris. If you're the Charlotte Hornets, you don't want them saying, I already didn't get these guys, max deal Kemba Walker. You know, and all these things that are going to make it really hard on those teams because they're going to have to look at them and be like, oh, boy, do I really want to, you know, do this? It's, you know, or, or do the Lakers do something down the line of, all right, we missed out on everybody else. Let's go trade for Mike Conley to come in here or something like that. That's, you know, what, what, what you're running the risk of here. So, Con, you know, you, you, you and I both thought the Lakers would get in. Pete thought it'd be the Kings. We all discounted the Clippers in our little uh, rest of the season playoff predictions. So our two questions. One is, are you off the Lakers? Are they done? And the second question is, if let's say next summer does not go well, and let's say they are, let's say they're barely a playoff team or they um, miss the playoffs again. Do you have to, if you're Jeannie Buss, say, I know you're Magic Johnson and I love you, but I'm moving on from you and Rob Palenka because I got to get this thing right. Well, it's, again, about, like I said before, if you set an expectation and you set a goal and you're working every day to get that goal and then it doesn't happen, as in bringing another star next to LeBron James, well, they you've, like, it's it's pretty objective statement to say that you failed on delivering on what you said you would deliver. It's not that this isn't known to everyone. It's not even that they didn't even want it to be known to everyone. They were very out loud about, we're going to bring stars here. We're going to bring in LeBron. We're going to bring in people. So if they don't do that, then it's up to Jeannie, the owner, to make a decision there. And if it's something that looks like, like, Maybe it's not bringing a star, but they make some nice fringe. I don't even that's not even a success, I would say. But you need to I think you give them one more season to see how they're playing. You still have LeBron. You still have the development of guys like Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma and Hart. So this team could still be pretty good. I mean, they were four seed before the LeBron before LeBron got hurt and now all this fiasco. So you still want to give them another season, even if the uh, offseason doesn't go to plan. But it's with the understanding that, look, like you already failed on delivering on your goals like you need to overachieve this season not reach expectations because you're already below expectations that were set a year ago so yeah it's going to be tough for them to um, kind of remain there if they don't if they're not able to build around LeBron with more stars all, all I know is you guys picture not not this summer but a, a year from this summer so we're in the summer 2020 the lakers are still kind of scuffling and they go all in on a big trade to bring in john wall coming back like that just feels like the kind of stupid short-sighted move a team would make and it would just be a disaster you know with you know pairing them with with lebron i'm just you know if if nothing else this kind of makes me it does make me a little sad. Now I realize LeBron made his bed and he needs to lie on it, lie in it. Right. But it does make me a little bit sad that this is, you know, kind of how he's go- going out. You know, like I, I don't know. I just that, that kind of you know does does you know bump me out. But he seems happy know. on Instagram and <laughs> social media. And right. all that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just... Well, and, and you know, congrats to him, fourth all time NBA scoring. You know, the guy takes a ton of crap, but you know that is a you know massive, massive historical accomplishment, and you know you got you got to give him credit for that. Uh, uh, yeah, but I at the same time I just I don't know. I feel like the direction that that they're trying to head in, I don't know that it's gonna. I, nobody knows, but I just don't feel like. 
Kawhi's not going there. If Clay goes back, you know, I don't see Durant going there. They missed on Anthony Davis. I think they miss again. Like I just don't see who it's it's gonna be guys like Tobias Harris and Kemba yeah, Walker on, you know, yeah. Matt Steels or yeah, it's it's know. yeah. So we'll see. All right, let's close it out. Con, you you uh you know, Lakers are gonna be involved in trades. You were involved in a whole bunch of uh you know, mock and fake fake trades and all that. So tell tell us how your uh your mock trade deadline, you know, kind of tangentially, you know, at the same time as Sloan, same ish location as Sloan. How did that go? Man, it was it exceeded my expectations, honestly. Um I I, I Obviously, I thought it was going to go well, uh, just because I'm confident like that. But it, the Sydney Robinson, my guy, I have to shout him out. Um, he's the other bench mob guy that I kind of put this all together with in conjunction with the UMass Amherst um, and their sports analytics club. And we just had like six different teams. Basically, who was it? We we strategically picked the teams because we needed to make trades between them pretty like available. So it was the Pelicans. The Magic, the Portland Trailblazers, Utah Jazz. We had to pick Boston because we're in Boston. And also they were pretty active. Um, And then also we had the Detroit Pistons. Um, So there was a lot of trades that went on between the teams, the six teams. But then I was the GM of every other team. And each each team that was represented got like three different teams that they could trade with that wasn't there. Um, So I had a decent amount on my plate (laughs) as well. (laughs) Um, We had like... We had Dave Dufour uh, from Count the Dings. He was kind of the MC uh, of the event, so that was really cool. Um, I recorded a bunch of videos and audio and all that, so it'll be put into content of some sort. But it was a lot of fun. Um, and nice. In what was like, what, yeah? yeah what, what was your favorite trade that came out of it? The favorite trade uh, was so between Wizards and Boston. Um, the Wizards get Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier the Memphis first rounder and the Celtics second rounder in 2021. So the Memphis first rounder, obviously top eight protected and all that. Um, Boston gets Bradley Beal and Trevor Ariza. So you basically turn Hayward and Jalen Brown plus that Memphis first. I mean, you lose Terry Rozier too, but you get back Beal and Ariza who would help out a lot. I really like that deal. I was actually the Wizards in that deal, so I'm kind of tooting my own horn. <laughs> um, and then the Wizards, you get the Memphis pick, which could be awesome. You get young guys like Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier, who's unrestricted, who's restricted, so you get control on him. And then you got Gordon Hayward, who may or may not become something, but obviously, or become go back to what he was. And the Wizards aren't really trying to be awful. So with that John Wall contract, so you still got like John Wall, Hayward, Brown, Terry Rozier play walls minutes i know i kind of like it for both teams overall and that was obviously made before hayward dropped 30 on the warriors and hit a game winner against the kings so clearly uh, clearly clearly, (laughs) he's he's back to all-star hayward level was there anything that um you know was there anything that came out that you were like wow i never really thought of that or i never really looked at it that way like like anything surprising in that respect yeah, Kyrie was traded for Dame. I was kind of texting you about that because yeah, of the rules, yeah. right? Um, so that was really interesting because I, I mean, now with Kyrie being like doing what he's doing, it's not un- inconceivable that he, that he would trade him, especially if the de- deadline was like still going on. Um, but it was pretty inconceivable to start the season and even like until pretty recently. So, but getting a guy like Dame back um, was really interesting uh, to me, and then. 
other than that, the guys were pretty good at like coming up with trades that were fairly realistic. Um, but yeah, it was. Oh, AD went to the Jazz. That was fun. Um, Donovan Mitchell. Wow. Donovan Mitchell left to the Jazz along with a lot of first round picks and maybe another player that I'm forgetting. Um, but yeah, there was there was a lot of like big time moves as uh, you would have with a mock trade deadline with a bunch of people that are trying to, you know, have some fun. But they, it wasn't like anything ridiculous. Let's get you know yeah it's it's you know I find in general back going back to when whether it was the real gm forums and shout out to the trades and transactions board over there those guys do a great job the moderator team on that board or be okay i'm gonna really date myself here but aol chat rooms (laughs) back in the day people have gotten so much more knowledgeable about the cba and the trade rules and and all that stuff yeah sure you get the occasional person who's like like why don't the celtics just trade gordon hayward for a bag of basketballs and you know all that stuff like that where it's like that can't happen and you know um that it it really is you know makes it a lot more fun to me that people are as educated as they are Mm -hmm. you also had a chance to check out some of sloan right as well so what what was your favorite thing coming out of sloan well I mean, Adam Silver was fairly candid. Um, so you did. His... So you you went to that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, very cool. For sure. Yeah, I I, I was there. Uh, Bill Simmons, Adam Silver. You can uh, you can watch it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it's there. Um, yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, it's nice to see Adam Silver be more open than other G, uh, CEOs or commissioners or whatever the top level guy of any company or business is. They're usually pretty PC and like not don't really say anything. Um, but I forgot what topic it was, but I recall Adam Silver saying like, yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks. And like just that phrase alone <laughs> coming coming from a guy at that level makes it it just makes it better. Obviously, he likes things and doesn't like things. He has opinions and doesn't have opinions on certain things. Or he should have an opinion on everything regarding the NBA. But um, it was really nice. I mean, he talked a lot of talk about, like, uh, Bill Simmons was talking about just tanking and, like, the 82 games. Um, just the mid-season tournament type stuff that was mentioned. The maybe end-of-season, like, play-in tournament. Like, it seems like 82 games isn't something that is really looking to change realistically. But the distribution of those 82 games in different types of games. Maybe there will be, like, little divisional tournaments in different countries where a certain tier of team goes and they can win their own little tournament of that tier. Or, like, just little things like that. Um... He didn't go into that much detail. He he was more talking just in general about like midseason tournaments. He did mention maybe abroad, different countries, um, the tanking situation where, I mean, there's a lot of different things going on uh, with that. Obviously, they accomplished their goal of teams not trying to be historically bad, which I think is a good step in the right direction, but it's still flawed. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty candid. And then the, a non basketball talk that I loved was. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell and David Epstein. David Epstein's coming out with a new book about how athletes are becoming a modern athlete. I forgot what the book's called. Um, but it basically they basically talked about how you need to diversify what you're doing when you're young and not specialize so early. So they use kind of 
opposite examples in Tiger Woods, who specialized like immediately, like as soon as he could walk, he was holding a golf club. And then either Federer or Nadal, I forgot which uh, tennis player they were talking about. I think it was Federer, but um, how he did like a bunch of different sports and didn't even specialize in tennis until he was like later on, like 15, 16 or whatever it was. And even though he wanted to do it earlier, he his family didn't want him to. And it's just apparently a lot better. And it applies to a lot of different things. Apparently doctors were sent to art school to and became better diagnosticians because of it. Um, so it was really interesting conversation and just it's kind of the stuff I'm super into. So yeah, those two, I mean, those were the main talks, but they were deserving of being the main talks. Yeah, that's awesome. It's um the specialization thing is is funny, just a personal story. My daughter a couple weekends ago had a chance to to do a uh like a half day long se- uh, soccer session with um, players from the Orlando Pride, which is our you know professional women's soccer team here, and Alex Morgan, who's from the um, you know U.S. Uh, women's team, um, the best you know international soccer team in the the, the world and the women's game, is um, a member of the Pride, and there were a bunch of Pride players there, and the, the, one of their big messages was you'll play a whole bunch of different sports, you know, don't 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 just you know play soccer, you know, and it was really cool to hear that message because. I think, you know, a lot of times these, these clubs and these, um, you know, organizations, they, they start driving these kids towards like, nope, gotta, gotta, gotta focus here. If you're playing other stuff, that's means you're missing time here. And when I look at it is, you know, for me growing up, I, I didn't, I didn't lock into like basketball being my sport really primarily until high school. And even then I still continue to play soccer as well. Now at that point I had transitioned more towards soccer was a way to stay in shape for basketball season, but it was, it was, uh, you know, were really you know late for me before I locked in in there that that way. So that that is cool to hear them you know talk about that and then expand it just you know even beyond sports. That's really cool. I had a chance to watch the Simmons Silver conversation as well. My my big takeaway was just how much Silver cares and loves the game as a whole. You know and how yeah. he he knows he works for the owners, but how important the players are to him. You can tell it really you know. Uh, eats him up it breaks him up that the players seem so unhappy um right now and he talked a lot about that and um you know i found that to be very interesting how he talked about their um you know they have the contracts the way they're structured done this and you know what what is what does that look like well what do they do and just you know um you know applauding guys for talking about mental health but at the same time being a little bit worried about you know where these guys actually are mentally so i thought that was that was a really cool cool takeaway and that's you know it's on my calendar every year i want to make it it's just really hard because you know it's uh it hits at such a tough time of year because you know we're just coming off the all-star break and and all that stuff so well one, one of these years i'll go home i'll call it a home a trip home to see mom and dad and you know and i'll see them for 10 minutes and then spend my rest of the time time in the city in boston um plus you know living in orlando making a trip to boston in late february early march that's not really all that appetizing uh, for for me anymore that's um you know and, and it was it's funny, you know, reading all the comments from who's in town is like, why does anybody live here during this time of year and those kind of things? So it's uh, it's funny. It's one of those things I, I very, very much wish this existed when I was a kid and a college kid growing up in, in Boston. So, all right, we're going to close it out here. A L- little bit of a shorter episode there. We got into some different topics, but, you know, we wanted to get back at it. We will continue to come back at you guys with all the latest news and notes from around the league. We'll do an injury update next show as well as, um, you know, just continuing to see where, where things are. As teams fall out of the playoffs, we're going to start building out our offseason previews. Um, so we'll do those as we get into it. Some of those maybe one-off 
episodes because we're really going to dive deep on those individual teams. It may not be, you know, myself, Pete and Khan on all those. We, you know, maybe, maybe two of us or maybe with a uh, special guest or something like that to come in and talk, talk those teams. So that's something we're really looking forward to with that. But Pete, you, you got anything going on? Tell anybody where to find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Pete Toll MBA. So it's P E T E T O A L M E A. Um, nothing much for me, just kind of um, checking out, you know, teams as I can and, and what games I can catch, obviously, with a, a two year old that's running around crazy, getting into everything. And, <laughs> you know, kind of since I get settled in to watch a game, it's, you know, come, you know, play with me and, you know, my new toys and this and that. So, you know, kind of have to catch either get up early in the morning and catch games from the night before, which I often do, um, or just kind of sporadically catch bits and bits and pieces of games. So hopefully as the season winds down and definitely into the playoffs, I'll, I'll be able to catch more games all at once. Little inside baseball here. Rarely does a show go by that Pete doesn't tell Con and us uh, before or after the show something that his son broke or thought <laughs> to him broken or something like yeah, that. True. So, exactly. it's, uh, yes, I I, uh, I remember those days and not fondly. So I uh, <laughs> I, I, I hear you, Pete. It keeps you busy, Con. I know you you know you're coming off a you know super busy week, but but what what do you got? What do you got going on? Yeah, I mean the Bench Mob NBA podcast. Uh, I actually did like. We did a full episode on just Sloan talk. Um, Kirk Goldsberry had a great presentation on, like, just analytically reshaping um, how the game is played, like changing dimensions on the court maybe. Like, now that Wilt and George Mikan don't have the physical edge that they used to, um, or players like that maybe narrow the lane so post-ups are a little bit more valuable and we can actually do that with math and analytics and all that. So that, like, we talked about that a lot. Um, Again, the Adam Silver stuff. Uh, so yeah, go check out the Benchmob NBA podcast. Also, I want to mention I created a Discord channel, which is basically like Slack um, or whatever like chat service thing that you use. Um, so basically, I want to bring on as many people who love the NBA and have made NBA or basketball a part of their life as possible, whether you be a fan or a media person or a writer or a coach or a college assistant coach or whatever you may be. If you love basketball, just hit me up on Twitter at Iconic, spelled with my name, I-K-A-A-N-I-C. And I'll send you the link. And I'm just trying to build like a basketball network instead of these kind of, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn. It's everything in one. Um, I want to take out the basketball and put it all into one place. So hit me up. Love it. And I'm going to... Shout out for, you know, rather than my, my written work, you guys all know where you can find that Yahoo Sports Celtics blog for Celtics specific coverage, Real GM. I've got some cool stuff coming for both Yahoo and Real GM as we lead up to to the offseason, all the things you can expect uh, from, from me, a lot of free agent stuff, offseason previews, those kind of things. But I want to shout out, it's March. Uh, March is roster management month for TPG Sports Group's virtual scout school. I was um, heavily involved in putting together the content for roster management month a lot of salary cap stuff in there a lot of roster building things in there we'll do a live video chat for 9.99 a month and this is not just going to give you just the month of march this is 9.99 a month you get That's all ten dollars guys ten dollars exactly <laughs> yeah yeah ten ten dollars um you get all these amazing things con con did scout or did virtual scout school um i was a part of it a lot of really amazing things um within there a lot of experts people pe- 
brings in uh, general managers with teams, scouts with teams, coaches, um, all these people from around the basketball world have come together to, to do a part of this. If you do it, you also get a discount for um, TPG Sports Groups. TPG Sports Group's Pro Scout School in Las Vegas, um, and that they, they announced the dates for that. It, it does take place again over Las Vegas Summer League. So a lot of really great stuff going on out there with, with TPG. So check it out. If you have more questions, hit me up on Twitter. I'm always happy to answer them there and point you in the right direction with that. So a lot of really cool stuff. So so check that out again. TPG Sports Group Virtual Scout School. You can go to virtualscoutschool.com. It'll take you right where you need to be. And again, March Roster Management Month. That's my month, end of the month. I'll be doing a live video chat for all the students enrolled. Thanks again for listening to the NBA Front Office Show. We are brought to you by CLNS Media, and we will talk to you next time. An ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Get your feet wet. My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.